Good, good morning. Good morning, Zion. And I, I love you, Jim and Mary. Don't you just have awesome pastors? I just, I, uh, I tell, you know, I do a lot of travel and, st- you know, I travel around the world and everywhere I go, I normally stay in, ho- in uh, hotels and I stay in hotels everywhere I go except when I'm at Jim and Mary's. It's like, I like to just hang out. I like to hang out in their house. And yes, he is right. I did refuse to pray for him. And I said this last night, Ray, I don't know if Ray's here, but I said to her, I actually went one step further, and I said, Ray, why don't you hold him, and I'll kick the other knee out. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Jim, but it's just that competitive piece came out of me. It's like, man, I'm competitive. All right, everybody doing good this morning? It's uh, so good to be with you again. I was just, I think I was here in August, wasn't I? I think it was August, and uh, it's just a real joy to, to come back, and I just, I love Zion, and I love you guys. I just tell people all around the world, wherever I go about this, you know, there's a lot of churches around that do healing, but I just don't think there's too many churches that have a culture of it, and uh, I tell them I'm only aware of a couple of churches in the world that have a culture of healing, and, and this is one of them. And uh, so I, I, I get all sorts of people around the world that tell them about your, your podcast and they tune in and, you know, they say, man, that Jim's kind of quirky, isn't he? <laughs> I have one guy said, man, I see, why you, I see why you like him. You and him are just like, just the same. It's like, <laughs> I'm like I just, I, I love it. I love it. I, I love you guys. Thank you so much for having me <clears throat> and the way that you just love on me and uh, just love you, to, love you to pieces. All right, are we ready? It was, uh, you know, before we jump in this morning, I, uh, I just, uh, I so love communion. I really love taking communion, and uh, you know, many churches I go to now, they don't, they don't do communion as a part of their service. So you know, you've got to resort to just doing it yourself. And uh, there's just something really precious about communion, and I'm so pleased we did it this morning. And I'm of the full conviction that in in many churches. Communion hasn't become a blessing, it's become a curse. And we end up cursing the church every Sunday as opposed to being blessed by communion every Sunday because it's that place that the life of Christ flows from, that we can come and we can partake from him. And in my, um, in my latest book, I had two books here yesterday. I think one is sold out, but this is my latest one called Position. I wrote a chapter in there about the power of the power of communion and how it needs to be a blessing and not a curse. And if we're standing in front of our churches and we're saying, you know, if you partake in an unworthy manner, if you've got sin this morning, you need to clean that up before you come. Otherwise, something worse will come upon you. We've just cursed the church. And uh, that's not what communion is about. And I, I analyze that passage. I pull that passage to complete pieces uh, in, in a chapter in here on the power of communion about what does that passage mean. And, uh, and that in order, like if we've, if we've got a messed up life, this is where we should be coming to the throne of grace, coming to the Father, coming to the, Lord, the Lord's table. And as we get cleaned up by the blood of Jesus, we don't clean up to come to the blood. We come... We come and get cleaned up. So that is, so there is a, the, the, the book's really about 
uh, positioning ourselves for God's love to flow into our lives and God's power and God's healing to flow into our lives. And there's, there's something, I think I shared this when I was here in, uh, in uh, August, uh, but there's something really powerful about uh, really understanding uh, understanding the covenants. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, but there's something really powerful about that and about positioning ourselves. And when we look at Luke, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's 17 and 18 or 18, 19. It's two chapters there that run completely parallel, uh, you know, next to each other. But one of them is about the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, "What must I do to be saved?" And Jesus says to that rich young ruler. You know, you need to keep all the commands. And the rich young ruler says, well, I've done that. And uh, he says, well, there's one more thing that you must do. You must give away all you have and give it to the poor. Right? And we know that the rich young ruler leaves sad because he was a rich man. But yet in the very next chapter that we see Zacchaeus come to Jesus, and Zacchaeus is also rich. And Zacchaeus climbs the tree He's a short stature, and he climbs the tree because he just wants to see Jesus. And Jesus comes along and says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. He says, because I'm coming to your house for dinner. And it's a fascinating story because both of them are rich. There's all these parallels between the two stories. Both are rich, but religion and law demands there is one more thing. The rich young ruler addresses him as the teacher of the law, and he gets the law. There is one more thing you must do. But Zacchaeus doesn't get addressed like that because he doesn't address him as the teacher of the law. And he turns to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down. And Zacchaeus says, everybody that I've wronged, I'll pay back five times over. See, there's no demand. And when we understand the nature of the Father and the nature of the cross, it's not about demand. You do it out of love. You just you do those things. And he pays them back five, ti five times over. And uh, so I talk, about, I talk about that in there as well. But see, under grace, you still got to do something. Zacchaeus still had to climb the tree. See, maybe that's our effort, is that we have to climb our tree to position ourselves for the power of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God to flow through us. So it's not, I, I have a problem when it's like, well, under grace, we don't have to do anything. It's like, that, that is just so wrong. It's like we do do something. We position ourselves. And when we position ourselves, we're in the best place for God's power and God's love and God's healing to flow in us and, and, and through us. Amen? All right. So that is, that is back there. You know, I titled, I was sitting there during worship, and I had, I had two titles for my message this morning. They both came to me this morning. And uh, so you can take whatever one you want. It's like one title I said, Do You Smell Like Dead Fish? Right, that's one title. And the other, then, then I had another title pop into my head, and it's called Take Away or Cover Up. Right? The Take Away or Cover Up. You know, I've been in this, uh, in this season, and I, because we're uh, live streaming today, I do need to be a little restricted on some of the things I can say today because this is a very, uh, very personal, uh, transparent message this morning. But there's seasons in life where God is more interested in what he does in you than what he does through you. 
Right? Very, I'm convinced of that. You know, I mean, they can be seasons. They can change every day. You know, you can this season can you can have multiple seasons in a day. You know, where God just is really wanting to do something in you, more interested in what He does through you. And by the end of the day, it's the other way. You know, it's like they, they flick in and out. But primarily, God is very interested in you. God loves you too much to leave you exactly where you're at. And uh, so, you know, I've been in one of those seasons where. You know, we moved back to New Zealand, and I've had a, a pretty difficult last couple of years. I had a very difficult last couple of years. So just, you know, everything getting to New Zealand was just absolutely perfect. And when I got there, I got slaughtered. I mean, just everything, you know, I've just been betrayed. I've been robbed from. I've just been, just everything, everything's gone wrong. I mean, I just, you know, it's been one of those two years of like, oh, my gosh, like, gosh, I, I don't know that I believe in the rapture, but I'm about to pray for it. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Like take me home. Like this is just I don't want to be here. Uh, you know, going going through this, and uh, so I've been in one of those seasons. But you know, out of that season uh, comes this beautiful thing, and it's it comes. You know, I'm I'm so you know out of that season, I've just become more and more free. You know, and I I just love freedom. I I love to see believers set free. Uh, set free. How many of you know that Jesus didn't come to set you, did, Jesus didn't come as a part of a prison exchange program? He didn't come to take you out of the prison of darkness so he can transfer you to the prison of light so he can control you, right? He came to take you out of the prison of darkness to set you free, right? Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom's sake that he set you free, and I, I love seeing people healed. And last night we spoke about that. Last night was healing of our, of our physical bodies. And I, I love seeing people healed. But really, I think what ultimately really what I'm after is, is just seeing people set free and coming into everything that Christ has provided for us that we would be free. We should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. I mean, we really should. We should be generous. We should be beaming with joy. You know, we, you know, when we align ourselves with the gospel of what Jesus has provided for us. And so I'm after that freedom in people, that people would, would be set free because it's out of that free place that we produce fruit that remains. Right? I'm getting too old to, you know, just to do the easy fruit thing. I, I, I can produce fruit. But if I'm not setting you free, am I producing fruit that remains? Right? I, I want to see people that produce fruit that remains. I want to see people that, you know, have not just, <clears throat> not just get healed, but I want to see people that have strong families. I, I want to see strong churches. I want to see strong cities. I want to see you strong in your finances. I love what, I love what this couple do with, with uh, God, God, what's it called? God's wealth? Well, wealth of God, of you know, like I, I love that. We're talking about that yesterday. It's like just to see you prosper and thrive in everything that God has for you. But yet, the reality is, is that so many of us is we we don't rightly divide the covenants. I want to talk. We're going to jump into this a little this morning, and then we're going to get a little bit more personal at the end. But I, let me give me let me give you a couple of prefaces here. These these are important to me that you hear my heart before we jump in. Fathers in my life, I got many fathers, not, uh, you know, I've got one, one biological father, but I got many spiritual fathers in my life. 
all my fathers in my life, including my grandfather, which is you know, one of my greatest heroes in ministry. He just went to be of the Lord just recently, the age of 95, and my grandma passed at 98. They, my fathers in my life never told me what to think. They gave me permission to think. Now, this is a big deal. Please hear me. They, I'll say that again. They never told me what to think. They gave me permission to think. See, if we're, giving, if we're telling people what to think, we've created a denomination. This is not about me being told what to think. I have permission to think. And I think differently from my, some of my fathers. You know, one of my spiritual fathers is, is Dr. Randy Clark. And I go and speak in their ministry school every year for 14 years, for the last 14 years. And I ask them, like, you know, what, you know we got into this conversation about why I come. And they're like, because you uh, disagree with Dr. Andy Clark on some things. And they're like, we actually want that in our student body. We actually want you to give our students permission to think to be contrary to Dr. Andy Clark. Now, that doesn't mean that Dr. Randy Clark's right and I'm wrong, and that doesn't mean I'm right and he's, and he's wrong, right? It's like we've got to hold things in tension, and there's different things that I know that will come up this morning and will be like, oh, I, didn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen that, I hadn't thought about that, or we've been taught differently on that. That doesn't make one right and one wrong. And we've become this nation of, we've become a world of divide, I mean, we really have. It's just like there's so much division out there. It's like, you know, particularly as we lead into elections, it's like everything. It's like, well, I can't be friends if you're on that side. You know, it's like I'm only going to be friends if you're on that side. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's not kingdom. Why, how, why can't we just love each other? See, I don't care who you vote for. I, I'm, an, I'm an American. I got an American passport, by the way. I, I'm coming back to vote. I'll be here in November to vote. It's like, but, but we have our opinions. And just because I have an opinion, it's like just because your opinion may differ, it doesn't mean that you don't have permission to not love me. Like we've got to love each other. I, it's just as, I, I don't like talking about politics, and this is not a political statement, though it's going to come out completely like it. I landed in San Francisco airport, and I just try and love everybody. I don't, I don't care what you think. You know, I don't care if you hate me. I'm still going to love you. You know, I, I don't care if you disagree with my message. It's okay. I'm still going to love you, all right, because I'm trying to give you permission to think. And I, I land in San Francisco airport and I, just last week, and I'm waiting at the bag carousel, and this, this American comes up. He's a French-American, and he comes. him and his wife, they're an older couple, and they stand next to me, and they say... Uh, Hey, uh, is this the carousel for the bags for New Zealand? And I'm from New Zealand. I'm like, yep, yep, it is. It's just not here yet. And I'm, you're in the right place. And he goes, are you a New Zealander? And I'm like, uh-huh, I am. He goes, oh, we love your country. Like, it is beautiful. We love your country. And I say, oh, you down there on holiday? Yeah, we just got back. And we bike right around the country for a month on our bikes. And we just love your country. What an amazing country. And I'm like, yeah, I love it too. I love it too. And they were so warm and friendly to me. It was just like, oh, my gosh, what a beautiful couple. And then he goes, you know, your country is so beautiful that if Trump gets in, we're moving to New Zealand. 
And I'm like, really? Said, if Trump gets in, I'm moving back to America. <laughs> now, some of you just hate me because I just said that. It's okay. Put your hand up, I'll come down and give you a squeeze. I still love you. But my point I'm trying to make is that until I mention that, they turn their back on me. <clears throat> and they snob me for the rest of the time. I mean, she just went from warm and cuddly to Mrs. Frosty. <laughs> like, she didn't want anything to do with me. And he's just like, he's kind of stuck in the middle, you know, and they're just like, they don't want to talk to me. It's like, we've got to stop the divide. We've got to be just start loving. It's like politics has bought divide and enough's enough. It's like we've got to love each other. It's about our motivation. The motivation is love. If we're not loving one another, we've done something wrong. We've, we've messed up. It's like we've got to return back to that place of love and stop allowing politics and government to put that divide between us on right and wrong and this and that and denominations and Bible. And it's like let's just, let's just be known as people of love. You know, there's going to be a few tensions in my message, and I assure you of that. And I just, I'm still laying a couple of prefaces out here before we really jump in. See, we're unconditionally loved. You are unconditionally loved by the Father. There is nothing that you can do that's going to make Him love you more, and there's nothing that you can do that's going to make Him love you less. You're unconditionally loved. But here's the tension in this. Like, you know, it's like sometimes I feel like, you know, you're going to walk away and shoot my message apart because it's like, I ain't got nine hours to preach. <laughs> I've, there's bits that are going to have to be missed out. But here's the reality. It's like, you know, if, if you think that you're unconditionally loved and that's okay, so therefore I can justify myself to live like a wreck and live in sin because he loves me anyway, that's just the spirit of stupid. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, don't allow God's unconditional love to justify the, the way you live. And it's the same, you're unconditionally forgiven. And we're going to talk about that today. But that doesn't mean that that gives you permission to do what you want because you're unconditionally forgiven. It's like, oh, that's the spirit of stupid also. Meet me out the back and I'll slap it off you after. <laughs> See, I, I got this real passion for... I got this real passion for the covenants. You know, it's like I love to look at the covenants. How, how many of you know that the new covenant didn't, uh, sorry, the old covenant didn't start in Genesis 1? And how many of you know that the new covenant didn't start in Matthew 1? The, the old covenant started at Mount Sinai and the new covenant started at Calvary. And I, I love to be able to divide them and it's just one of my pet little projects. I just, I love reading things and like studying and it's like, all right, you know, this has got the old covenant here and we've got the new covenant here. What applies to me? What doesn't? And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just a journey of, it's a beautiful journey. I mean, here, here's a few. Old covenant makes people under the old covenant slaves. Under the new covenant makes them free. Right? Uh, sin under the old covenant has power over you. Under the new covenant, sin has no power over you. Under the old covenant, payment for sin required an endless cycle of sacrifices. But under the new covenant, it's no longer required because God keeps no record. 
repentance under the old covenant is turning from sin, and under the new covenant is a turning to God. Right? Righteousness is demanded from you, and under the new covenant, it's given to you. Under the old covenant, you are blessed if you obey, but under the new covenant, you are blessed because Christ obeyed. Right? Obedience under the old covenant is keeping the rules, and obedience under the new covenant is a fruit of love. Right? Under the old covenant, you're a servant or a sinner, but under the new covenant, you're a beloved son. And God, under the old covenant, is a scary judge, but under the new covenant, he's your loving father. Right? I've got a whole, I've got a whole list of them. I gave you about, I gave you about quarter, quarter of the list there that, I, that I've got. And so we're going to talk a little bit from a perspective this morning of forgiveness. And we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I just really believe this morning that there's going to be uh, some people that are going to be uh, healed in their hearts. Luke chapter 16, 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. See, the issue that we have is that when we don't understand the covenants, like we are new covenant believers. But when we don't understand the new covenant, we spend a lot of our time as new covenant believers with old covenant mindsets. And that doesn't bring fruit. It's certainly not going to bring fruit that remains. And it's going to lead us to misery. You know, we're just in that place of there's one more thing you must do. How, you know, how many sound like you go to a church like that? You know, no one put their hand up because it's not this church. <laughs> You know, but religion is just like that. There is one more thing you must do. You know, there's one more thing that you must do. And I, I'm so passionate about wanting to see people come into that place of freedom. We're going to jump into a few verses this morning as we talk about, uh, as we talk about forgiveness. And we, we talk about the power of God. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. I'm just kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but it's pretty close. It says, the Sadducees and Pharisees were sitting by, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. The Pharisees and the, the, Pharisees and the Sadducees were sitting by, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. See, my question to you is, who was the power of the Lord present to heal? This is not a trick question. I just gave you the answer. The Sadducees and Pharisees, right? All. It says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Right? How many got healed in the story? Gosh, I near crickets. How many people got healed in that story? One. Only one person in that story got healed, and that was the crippled man that was laid down through the roof. See, it's, it's really easy. See, the house, was, the house was full of people of the law looking for fault. Right? But, this, but the power of the Lord was present to heal. They were there to find fault with Jesus. They knew the Bible off by heart. Right? They knew the letter better than they knew the author. Are you with me? So the power of the Lord was present to heal. And one gets healed. And to that one, he, he comes up to that one and he doesn't say, take up your bed and walk. He makes this bold declaration and he says, son, 
your sins are forgiven you, take up your bed and walk. Now, I've got a few proposals I want to pitch to you this morning. This is one. Maybe we're only going to walk in the power of God to the extent we know we're forgiven. I think there's a direct connection between knowing how much we're forgiven as to how much the power of the Lord will walk in. Right? He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Notice he says, your son, son, your sins are forgiven you before, he says, take up your bed and walk. Your, son, your sins are forgiven you. See, when we, when we look at the covenants, actually, let me just, let me just uh, throw out a thought here. I just got to find my little thought here. That, uh... See, the power of the Lord is present. I, I believe with all my heart, the power of the Lord is always present to heal in the life of the believer. Always present. Always present. The power of the Lord is present to heal. But yet, we need to learn how to apprehend what's available. Right? So if it was always present, why didn't it work? It's like, because we've got to apprehend it. See, how do we apprehend it? I wasn't around in 1752. Jim was, but. <laughs> but Benjamin Franklin in 1752 discovered electricity. Now, electricity was always there. It's not like he created it. I mean, it was always there, but he discovered it. Right? So Benjamin Franklin discovers it in 1752 with the, the kite flying experiment. But the power of electricity wasn't harnessed until 1879 by Thomas Edison, right? So it's there, it's discovered, but it wasn't harnessed. 130-something years go by before Thomas Edison learns how to harness the power of God. And it's the same in healing. It's the same in the power of God. It's the power of God's there. It's always there, but we need to learn how to harness it. How do we harness it? By understanding the heart of the Father. We, we, we harness it by walking in that place of fullness and we walk in that place of forgiveness, of knowing what's provided for us, but yet we still have to harness it. We still need to harness His forgiveness. We harness the power of God. We've we, we still got to harness healing. There's something that we still need to do and we position ourselves to get that. So we see in Luke 5, the power of the Lord is present. The Pharisees missed it, right? The one that gets healed, the, the, one, the one gets healed. See, when we look at law, it says this. It says in Luke, uh, sorry, in, in Mark 3.28, it says, this is before the cross. Now, let me, let me just set another little preface in here. I, I, I love this. I love every word in this. Please, I don't want anyone to misquote what I'm saying this morning. I love every word in my Bible. I love the Old Covenant. I love the New Covenant. I love, it. I love my maps in the back. I mean, I love my drinking straws. I mean, I just, I love everything in this, everything in here, every word. But not everything is to me, but everything's for me. 
This is a big deal. Please hear my heart on this. Everything in here is written for me. Now, even the words of Jesus, and I think we do a grave danger when we say, well, under grace, I don't need to read the old covenant. It's like, (laughs) tell me how that works out for you. I want to read the old covenant because everything's pointing to a need. Every, all my misunderstandings of the things I don't understand in the old covenant are pointing me to a need. I need a savior. I need a savior. I need a savior. And Jesus comes and he is that savior. I, I think it's foolishness to go through and just say, well, Jesus, you know, we, he wouldn't, you know, we just, we just, yeah, you know, that's not, that's, you know, I'm going to cut that piece out. It's like, it's in red. It's like, but I think it's just as foolish for me to say, well, just because he said it, is it for me or to me? Right? So I hold those things in tension a little bit of like, okay, who's he, who, who's he addressing? Right? So there's, there's some tension in there. So Mark 3.28, this is before the cross. He says, surely I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. All sins will be forgiven the sons of men. But in Luke 4, 20, uh, sorry, Luke 24.47, it says, And the repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in his name to all nations. Right? Now, there's two quite different thoughts there. Will be and has. Right? They will be forgiven and have been forgiven, declare. There's something powerful in that story in Luke 5.17 where he says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Take up your bed and walk. See, how forgiven do you think you are? How forgiven do you think you are? Now, I, I'm going to say a couple of things that are going to make you think, and that's okay. Because I don't mind you, I don't mind you thinking. That's what I'm here to do. It's like, I'm a thinker. I love to think. I think too hard sometimes. I love to think. I just, I'd love to go through passages. I love to preach. There's some real tricky ones I love to preach on. I just like, whoever drinks of this in an unworthy manner drinks judgment upon themselves. Man, I love to preach that message. Oh, gosh, it's one of my favorite messages to preach around communion. That's why I, that's why I wrote about it. It's like, because I want you to think. I, I want you to think. I'm not telling, you, not telling you what to think. I'm just giving you permission to think. See, after the cross, in Colossians 3.13, it says, Forgiving each other just as the Lord forgave you. Right? In Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another. And tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also forgave you. See, in Psalm 103, David prophesies this, and he says that it says that he prophesies a takeaway. Right, that there will be a Lamb of God that will come that will take away the sins of the world. Now. Here's my question to you. Is it a takeaway or is it a cover-up? I, I believe it's a takeaway. I, I have a huge problem when it's like, well, under grace, it's just, you know, our sins are covered. It's just, a, it's, they're, they're under grace, they're covered. I'm like, I, let me put it to you another way. If it's a cover-up, and we're just covering our sins. You better hope that one doesn't slip out. <laughs> Slips out from under that cover. It's like, oh, whoops, get back in there. 
Like it's not a cover-up. It's a takeaway. He took our sins away. I'm trying to set you free this morning because I'm after the healing of your heart. And we're going to deal this morning with some guilt, some shame, some condemnation, and some hooks that we've allowed to get into us. And we're going to talk about that uh, very soon. In in, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 11, and it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. That can never take away sins. But verse 12, But this man, after he had offered a single sacrifice for sins, sat down at the right hand of the Father. See, why could the priest not sit down? Because the work had never and could never end. It was the daily sacrifice. There was not a chair in the temple because the priest wasn't permitted to sit down because it was the continual sacrifice that the priest would have to make for, the, uh, for, the, for sins. But yet, when the Father, when Jesus walks into that, when Jesus walks into that uh, temple, He was able to sit down because it wasn't a continual sacrifice. It was a one-off sacrifice once and for all. Hear me. We still need to apprehend it. We still need to harness what the Lord has made available for each one of us. In Matthew chapter 6, which is, you know, can be a controversial subject to some of us. Again, I'm just re-emphasizing my heart here. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm giving you permission to think. See, it says in Matthew 6 under the Lord's Prayer, which I love the Lord's Prayer. Please don't get me wrong. It is not crossed out of my Bible. I love it and I, and I read it. The Lord's Prayer, it says this, it says, If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Now, let's just talk about this for a little bit. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. But yet, who's he talking to? I, he's talking to the Jews who are under the law. And I think he's showing them the harshness. He comes with that sword and he's like, <sighs> he's showing them the harshness of the law. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. So here's a thought. Are we forgiven because we're nice? Are we forgiven because we're nice to someone? You know, my brother does something to offend me, and I'm like, I've got to forgive you, or I'm not forgiven. I forgive you, brother. Okay, now I'm forgiven. Am I forgiven because I'm nice? Or am I forgiven because of the blood? I'm forgiven because of the blood. I mean, here's a thought. I can't be any more forgiven than I already am. Just like I can't be any more loved than I already am. That doesn't give me permission to sin. It doesn't mean I can go and do what I want. Live like I like and say, oh, well, he loves me anyway. <laughs> Who cares? going to go and live like a demon. Because he loves me anyway. It's like... No, that's, that's folly. That, that's absolute, absolute foolishness. See, the opposite is that Jesus is saying the, the complete, 
the complete opposite. And we share those, we share those verses before. He says the complete opposite, where he says, and where's the now I've lost my verse, he says, forgiving each other just as the Lord forgave you. He says, be kind to one another and tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ forgave you. See, when I understand the power of love, when I understand how much I'm forgiven and how much I'm loved, I can't help but release forgiveness and release love to others. Are you with me? It's going a little quiet in here. We're gonna, it's all right. We're going to go... We're going to go a little deeper, and I, I know there's many verses I can bring in, but today is just not the day to unpack nine hours of teaching around, around this particular subject. A great friend of mine, he says, you know, like, let, let me just, let me again throw another preface in there. Sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy your finances. Sin will destroy your families. I mean, sin, sin just destroys. And I see this destructive force of sin, and perhaps we have a destructive force of sin in the church because the church hasn't been taught we're dead to it. You're dead to sin. Under the, I already shared with you, under the old covenant, sin has power over you. Under the new covenant, sin has no power over you. We, we've got to start preaching the power of of the gospel and what's been provided. But guess what? You still need to learn how to harness it. we still got to apprehend what is available to each one of us. You know, my, my move back to New Zealand was, you know, it was so obvious that God wanted us to move there. I mean, just everything was provided and the, just the doors. And, you know, I had to take a, my daughter in a wheelchair and I had to take a cat and a dog. And, you know, I mean, it's just everything just... You know, it's like everything was perfect. I mean, it couldn't have, oh gosh, the only thing that went wrong was my dog puke driving from Reading to Los Angeles in the back of the car. Man, it stunk. And he, my dog got car sick. <laughs> I mean, just everything was perfect. Just every, And when I got to LA, I had someone waiting to pick the car up, buy it straight off me. So a salad full of dog vomit. I mean, everything went perfect. And I, I arrived in New Zealand, and I can't go into too many details because we're streaming and, you know, want to honor and protect people. But just everything went wrong. I got betrayed. I got robbed from. I, I mean, just everything went wrong. It's like every corner I turned, it was slap, slap, slap. It's just like everything went wrong. I found myself in a in a quite a hostile legal situation, which I'm not going go, not going to go into this morning. And over those two years, I actually found that I, I, I began to become, what's the best way I can put towards, towards this? I, I began to come a little callous to people. I, I began to get a little bit like, you know, like, oh gosh, I say to my wife regularly, it's like, can we just go to an island and live? Like just you, me, and our daughter, and cat and dog, my fishing rod? Like... I don't know that I like people anymore. Like, I've had multiple conversations. Like, maybe I should just quit ministry. You know, like, people, like, I, I don't want to be a pastor. It's like, 
Because sheep bite. Man, I, we have sheep in New Zealand. Trust me, they bite. It's like, man, they... It's like, ah! It's like I'm feeling like I'm pastoring people and it's just like, ah! It's like it just lost a bit out of my bum. It's like a bit out of my leg and it's like... I, I just became... I've just become so calloused with people and I, I realize that that in... I, I realize how easy it is to hold resentment and hold like unforgiveness and hold these things against people. And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like I can't stand you. And then I end up like speaking judgment. I, I found myself saying to my wife, well, if they go broke over this, couldn't happen to a nicer couple. <laughs> I'm just being transparent. Like, I'm just being transparent. I got, I've been so damaged. There's so many hooks that were going in me. It's like the enemy was coming at me, and it's like the hooks are going in, and I'm like, I, like, it's a word of judgment. Oh, I hope they go broke. Oh, it couldn't happen to a better person. I had two years of like this, of like, oh, can't stand this, can't stand that. Oh, gosh, most pastors are just stupid. Accusation, judgment. And I, and this was last week. I mean, I mean, like, Guys, I put my trousers on one leg at a time, just like you. I don't float into them in the morning because I'm a pastor. I'm dealing with real life issues. I was in court last Tuesday. In a civil suit. I can't tell you it's a confidential settlement. I can't tell you the details apart from I can tell you this. Court's done. Two years of being court, it's finished. And I and I walk out of that like stupid thing. And my wife says to me, you know, we get home and she's like, we, we, I badly need to sell my house. Like, I badly need to sell my house. My house isn't, hasn't been selling and it's like I've, I've got an option on another house that's about to expire and I don't want to bridge it and I need that house to sell so I can secure that one. And it's like, you know, for debt reduction and what have you. And I'm just like, oh, God, there's just so much spinning. And I, I, I didn't want to come on this trip. I, I'm just being honest. I'm like, I don't like people anymore. I don't want a pastor. Maybe I should just go get a job. I'll become a painter or something. Just give me a paintbrush and just give me a job. I don't got to deal with people. Just being honest. And my wife, how, how many men are married here? How many of you know your wife's always right? Uh, Jim's like, come on, put it up boldly, Jim. 
And my wife says to me, she goes, you know what I think we need to be doing? She said, we need to begin to bless those that have cursed us. And I'm like, I'm like, I didn't say this out loud, but under my breath, I'm like, fat chance, woman, you're wrong. I ain't blessing them. They can go broke for all I care. I don't say it. It was just, you know, my internal little lid. I'm just opening. I'm sharing my life so you realize I'm just like you. And she goes, I said, well, you pray. (laughs) Come on, lead by example. You pray if that's what you think. And she's like, Father, we just bless them financially. Father, we bless them with health, and we pray, Lord, that you would prosper them in everything they put their hand to. And we bless this person, and we bless that person. And and she goes, your turn. (laughs) And I'm like, I I couldn't get the B word out of my mouth. It's like... I feel like saying, bless them with a brick. (laughs) This is last week. This is not something years ago I walked through. This is what I walked through leading into last week. And I and I I'm going and I'm get like I'm in court Tuesday and Wednesday. I had an extremely busy day. I had to organize a crane to pick some stuff up and move some stuff. And it was like it was just like oh my gosh, you know. Thursday morning I wake up. I go oh I gotta go to the airport in three hours. I hadn't even thought about packing, let alone preaching. And I walk out. And my daughter's health is not good. And I'm like, I don't want to go. I want to go. I want to be here. I don't want to go. I have no desire to go away. I don't want to fly on another plane. I, I don't want to be a ministry anymore. I don't want to go. And see my wife now. Playing a violin. <laughs> this is just an extraordinarily busy month for me. Yeah, I fly home tomorrow, I get home Wednesday and Thursday after, I gotta fly back to the States. It's like talk about jet lag, whiplash. I don't know, I don't know where I am. It's like I gotta fly to California, down to Mexico, and then I gotta fly home for three weeks and then I gotta fly to Switzerland. The other way around the world. It's like And I I, I walk out in a sorrow sorrow state of myself, feeling self-pity for myself, thinking, man, I just don't care about ministry anymore. And I get in the car. To, I got a little a little Mini Cooper, and I'm driving to the airport. It's about 50 minutes to the airport, I guess. And the Lord flashes in front of me something that happened 20 years ago. And this is the story. 20 years ago, I, I love fishing. The bigger they are, just I love killing fish. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're so offended at that. Yep, I said it. I love killing fish. I love killing them and eating them. The bigger they are, it's like I just love it. I just love it, love it, love it. And I'm out fishing. I'm surf casting with my brother-in-law in the rocks, off, off the rocks and just north of 
north of Auckland, beautiful place to fish. I cast my line out, and I caught a big one. <clears throat> it, was, it was a huge tug on my line. I'm like, yeah, game on, game on. I mean, my adrenaline, when that line goes, I'm just like, game on. And my line is tugging and pulling, and I'm, and I caught the biggest bird you've ever seen. <clears throat> it's, it's wingspan, it's called, it's called skag. And the wingspan is like this. It is, is a whopper. And I'm like, ugh. I was just going to cut my line and rehook it and let the bird go. And I wound the bird all the way in. And the hook was right through his cheek. I had him. It's not a bird you want to eat. I had this, I had him, I had him good. And the easiest thing for me to do is to cut the line and let the bird go. And I reached out and I grabbed him and I put him in a headlock. He's got this long neck. And I'm like, hold his neck. My brother-in-law held his wings and I'm like, look at that poor thing. He had 27 hooks in him. He had fishing line hanging out his tongue, hook through his tongue, through his cheek, through his through his leg, through his, um, what are those? Feet. <laughs> through his feet, through his wing. One wing was hampered like, he, like this, but one wing was lo locked up because he had multiple hooks under his wing. And I said to my brother-in-law, let's unhook him. I said, I'll, I'll lock him up in his head and wings and we're going to get the wire cutters and we're just going to cut off every single hook. And we went through that bird and we cut off all 27 hooks and we pulled thread out of his tongue, out of his, out of, out of everywhere. And it's like, if you, is all the hooks gone? And he's like, we've got them all. And I said, little birdie, big birdie, <clears throat> you are free. And I threw him in the air and he, he took off. And that bird circled back and forward past me probably 10 times. Right, and he had his full wingspan just gracefully floating by me and he'd look at me and he'd go back and he'd look the other way and he'd like eight or ten times and then he just turned and disappeared in the sunset. And it was like he was shouting out, thank you, I'm free. I'm free. And I'm driving to the airport last week and the Lord says, you're just like that bird. He said, you've allowed the hooks of offense and you've allowed the hooks of disappointment and you've allowed the hooks of unforgiveness to fill your life and that you are like that bird and you're not free. And I'm like, God, that's why I don't want to go away. <laughs> How can I minister when I'm not free myself? I'm like, I'm all hooked up. I had a nasty two years, God, and I'm like, I know I've got hooks. I'm like, I've already told you I don't like people anymore. And I landed in Cleveland. I reached in Columbus last weekend, and I was in Cleveland and Columbus last weekend, and I, I woke up the first morning. I landed Thursday, and I woke up Friday. And a bit of time in my hotel room, and I said, God, I don't, I don't want these hooks anymore. I said, I've got to deal with these hooks. And the Lord said, good, I'll take them all out. And I, I just began listing off 
people that had offended me. I began listing off people that have insulted me. I mean, even my wife was assaulted in that period. Father, I forgive them. Father, I bless them. And it was the first time in two years that I legitimately walked around my room not saying bless them with a brick, but Lord, I bless them that you would prosper them. That you would prosper them financially, that you would prosper them in health. And I began to list different people. It's not just one situation. It was multiple situations. Even pastors. God, just bless that pastor. Father, I bless them in Jesus' name. Father, I bless them. I bless everything that they put their hand to, that they would be blessed. And I felt like in that room in Cleveland Hotel last Friday morning that every hook came out. And I, I, went, I went to church that night, and it was the first time I'd actually preached this message. It was, uh, I didn't preach it. It was more of just some... Thoughts. It was an encounter night about just just bought some thoughts rather than rather than a preach. And I preached this message last Sunday at, uh, at Northgate. See, <clears throat> how forgiven do you think you are? And what have you allowed in life to hook you? What what hooks in life have you allowed? Like may, maybe you've got hooks against the government. It doesn't mean I've got thoughts against the government. It doesn't mean I agree with what the government's doing. But it's pretty easy just like to be filled with rage and hatred towards the administration. Like, ah, I just hate them. Hate them. It's like, hook. 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 It's the next thing. It's like, you're not flying like the bird because you've got one wing impaired. It's like, oh gosh, I'm not feeling very free right now. We've got we to stop allowing division to come between us. You know, there's a, there's a story in, in the Gospels, and, and it's found in Luke 7, 47. And we're going we're gonna to finish here this morning, and, we're gonna, and we'll pray. But it says this, it says, Simon said, I suppose the one whom you forgave more? And he said to him, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and she gave me no water for my feet, and she washed my f- but, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman did not cease to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her, sorry, therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. See, here's my proposal as we prepare to close is that if you find yourself not loving, then I'd like to propose to you, you don't know how much you've forgiven. And I tell you, when I focus on his love 
and his forgiveness for me that I can't be any more forgiven than I already am, guess what? I become kind and tender-hearted towards others. I begin to love others. It's like, I, I'm not going to allow divide. I've allowed too much divide to come into my life between people over the years. I look back and it's like I can see hooks that have gone in here and there. And over years, over, you know, just the way you get treated and offenses in life and just different things that happen. It's like the hook and a hook and a hook. And it's like, and before you know it, you've got your wing impaired and your foot's all bent and you've got a hook here and a hook in your tongue and a hook up your nose. And it's like you've got strands of fishing line hanging off you. And it's time this morning that we take out our hooks. See, we're going we're gonna to pray this morning because I, I, I know that, like, I'm, pre- I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to us, me. I'm preaching to me as well. I just get so much freedom out of, I just love it. God takes me through lessons. So, by the way, I, I absolutely believe in the, in the discipline of God. I absolutely believe in the discipline of God, and I've been on the, but let me just say this. God's discipline is training for my future. It's not punishment for my sins. It's discipline for my future, not punishment of my sins. I love and I welcome the discipline of God in my life. I'm like, God, if there's things that need to be dealt with in this heart, please take the scalpel to me. Please deal with it. Like, discipline me. You know, like, train me so I can thrive in the future. It's like I welcome the discipline of God in my life. And I, I'm a, I've been a pastor for 28 years, I think, or 30 years now. And I've just, I've learned by hanging around people that some of them just smell like dead fish. They stink. There are hooks hanging out of them. Tails of, you know, you only got to talk to them for two minutes and you just see how bitter they are towards you know, see, maybe it's, you've gone through a divorce, and it's like, oh, I just hate him. I hate him for what he did to me. It's like, tell me how that's working out for you. I hate my boss. I hate the president. It's like, hook, 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 hook. And we've just divided over everything. Not the message you expected to get from me this morning, huh? I, I think it's time we get rid of our hooks. See, let me add this. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily right that I'm going to go to every person that's offended me and say, hey, I forgive you. And they're like, what for? I didn't know I did anything wrong. I'm probably going to end up in an argument. <laughs> Forgiveness is not for their sake, it's for mine. And let me also add this. Sometimes we think it's hard to forgive, but forgiveness doesn't equal trust. Just because I've forgiven someone, it doesn't mean I've got to trust them. If you're robbed from me and I forgive you, I'm not going to lend you my wallet. Because I don't trust you. Right? So forgiveness and trust are two different things. So, but yet I forgive people and I've got to release it. It's time to let some stuff go. 
Am I, am I speaking to the right people here? It's time to let some stuff go. It's like, trust me, it's not nice trying to fly around with hooks in. It's like then you land and the hook's like, oh, gosh. And it just jammed in a bit further. That one hurt. I hate having hooks. See, maybe you're here this morning and you've got, you're offended. Someone's offended you and you're like, I'm so mad at them. It's like, just let it go. You're not forgiving them for their sake. You're forgiving it because of, for your sake that the hook comes out. And the hook comes out when we let it go and we say, I forgive them and I bless them. Maybe it's the hostile divorce. It's like, let it go. Let it go for your sake. Because you know what? Do you know what guilt, shame, and condemnation does? Produces sickness. And I think sometimes we wonder why the church is so sick. It's because we're full of hooks. And we don't know how to let it go. Perhaps we're not letting it go because we don't know how much he's forgiven us. When you realize that you are forgiven and you can't be loved, you can't be loved and you can't be forgiven anymore, you will be tender-hearted and kind towards other people. Let me just add a couple of little things in there that a couple of little things in there that I perhaps, you know, don't want you to have questions over. I, I, I believe in repentance. I do. I hate you to think, oh, Chris doesn't believe in repentance and confession. It's like, oh, I do, I do, I do. I just don't repent to be forgiven. I repent because I am forgiven. I absolutely believe. See, but if I, oh, well, if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive you. It's not a transaction. It's a relationship. I mess up. First place I'm running to is my father. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. It's like, but have we reduced, have we reduced repentance to sorrow? Wow, and you know, let them see you cry and grovel. It's not truly repentance. It's like, no, repentance is about changing our mindset. So do I believe in repentance? Oh, yes, I do. I believe in repentance and I believe in confession but just not to be forgiven because I can't be forgiven any more than I already am. I believe in repentance. See, if I'm standing here and I'm telling you how good the Father is, and you're like, huh, didn't know that. It's a good point. I'm going to take that one on board. What did you just do? Changed your mind. So what did you just do? Repented. So therefore, when I'm feeding on the gospel of how good he is, we, me, I repent all day, every day. Because I'm changing my mindset of how good the Father is. Oh, I believe in repentance all day, every day for me. Father, I'm changing my mindset on that. I had a wrong perspective of you. Just repented because I'm changing my mindset. You guys okay? Here's what we're going to do. I've been very transparent this morning. I just, I'm really, literally, this is stuff I've gone through last week. And it's like, I feel like I'm going home a free person now. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not going home to moan and groan about my next trip. 
can't say I'm delighted to get on the next plane, but I'm like... <laughs> I'm looking forward to going to Mexico and being with my Mexican brothers down there and doing a healing conference. And it's like, it's just going to be healing all weekend. It's going to be, I just, I love Mexico is probably my favorite South Latin American country to minister in. I've been to, been to many, Guatemala many times and Ecuador and Chile and Mexico a number of times. I love Mexico. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Hooks come into us by many ways. They come into us from us carrying guilt, shame, condemnation. How many of you know Jesus didn't die just to your sin and your sickness? He died to your guilt, shame, and condemnation. I mean, here's a thought. Last thought. Hmm. Trying to land the plane again. Hmm. If you're carrying guilt, shame, and condemnation for which Jesus has already paid for, and already taken from you. See, Jesus is the judgment alone belongs to him. He's not judging, but judgment belongs to him. If judgment belongs to him, and you find yourself judging yourself with guilt, shame, and condemnation, is that because you think that you have a higher standard than God? And if you think you have a higher standard than God, which I would propose that you think you do, is it because you think you're God? Got good news for you. You're not. It's time this morning to let go of guilt, shame, and condemnation because the root of all of that, the root of guilt, shame, and condemnation will just lead to sickness. And we wonder why so many are sick. I'm, I'm not saying, please don't think I'm saying, because you're sick, you've got guilt, shame, and condemnation. That's the furthest thing from my heart of what I'm saying. We all deal with stuff. I've got a, a daughter right now who's gone through, looking like two days ago, she had to go to hospital, you know, just with unstoppable seizures. It's like, I'm dealing with stuff myself. See, maybe this morning you're offended. Maybe you're offended at God. Maybe you're offended with Jim. You can't see how that could be, but <laughs> maybe he said something in the pulpit and you're like, ah, I don't like him. Like, blow him. I'm going to another church. I mean, he's just so offensive. It's like, forgive him. Maybe there's some disputes between people. Like, sometimes it is appropriate to go to someone and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've been so offended at you, and I released you of that this morning. It's not for their sake. It's for yours. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's the government. Maybe it's whatever. I mean, you, you, you know what the hooks are. Like, we're just, we're full of them. You know that you've got hooks in you. I want you to stand. You're going to be released to hooks this morning. I want you to stand. I'm standing, see? (laughs) Because you know why I'm standing? Because I'm not doing the shame thing. I'm not going to do shame. Because he took it. Imagine what a free church would look like, Jim and Mary. Imagine what a church would look like that we just 
we can have differences of opinion and still love. It's like, imagine how, like, you realize this? Imagine if we became so free of guilt, shame, and condemnation, and we let our hooks go that we became healthy. Guess what? You get a financial miracle in that as well. I'm under public health in New Zealand. I don't pay a cent for health. You go to the hospital here, you're up for 50 grand. It's like, I never see a bill. It's like, it's a financial miracle. Imagine that. It's like, we became healthy, and now it's like, our finances are blessed. You guys doing okay? I know it sounds like a bit of a harder message, but it's actually a freeing message. I don't think there's anything hard in it. I told you at the start, I'm interested in one thing, and that's seeing God's people set free. Why don't you put your hand on your heart, and I'm going to pray for you, and then you're going to do your part. Father, we thank you that we can't be forgiven any more than we already are. Father, we thank you for your unconditional forgiveness and your unconditional love. And this morning, Father, I pray that each person here that's standing, bless their honesty for standing and their boldness. Father, that every hook this morning in their lives, that you would come with those wire cutters and you'd cut out every single hook that every single hook would be removed. Father, the hooks of guilt, the hooks of shame, the hooks of condemnation, the hooks of offense, the hooks of when we've held unforgiveness against a brother or a sister, it's like, or against an ex-husband or an ex-wife or a family member. See, may, maybe you're here and you're a child of abuse of a father or a mother. We, we cut that hook out this morning. See, you forgive them not for their sake. You forgive them for yours because that's how we get hooks out of us. We forgive them for our sake. You don't, it don't mean you've got to trust them, but we're not, we're not going to be the one that walks around with our wing and pair to our side. So this morning, Father, I pray your blessing upon these people that we would be a free people, that you came to set us free for freedom's sake. In Jesus' name. Now, here's your part. This is between you and God. This is not between you and your neighbor and you and me, but we're all going to do it out loud, right? So it's just going to be this big noise come out and no one's going to hear what you're saying, right? You're not allowed, you won't be able to listen to your neighbor because it's going to be too loud. This is a big deal to me. Whoever it is that's offended you, you're going to begin to bless the opposite spirit out of your mouth, right? You're not blessing them with a brick. You're going to be a father, I, Lord, I pray that you would bless my ex-husband. You would bless my ex-wife. Lord, be as bold as father, I pray that you would bless them in their new marriage. Father, that you would prosper them. Father, I pray, God, that you would bless Jim. All those times he's offended me, I just bless him. I bless him with prosperity, and I bless him with this, and I bless him in his marriage, and I bless his church. Jim, Jim didn't tell me that you're offended. I just, he didn't say, you've got to tell my church to bless me. <laughs> right? You guys ready?
I tell you, some of you are going to some of you are going to start to struggle by getting the B word out. I've got another B word to say to them. It's going to be hard to start, but when you start blessing them, it's like, oh, that hook just disappeared. It's like I think I just got my wing back. It's like, oh man, it feels so much better without that hook in my tongue. You guys ready? You know who you got to release. You know what? You're not going to walk out of here like a smelly fish. You're going to walk out of here as a son and a daughter of God, free, with every hook out. You guys ready? Go for it. Put your name on their lips and say, I bless them. Call them by name. I bless that person. I bless them in their marriage. I bless them in their finances. I, I bless my old boss. I bless this. I bless that. I just, come on, just begin to call them out. Bless them. And you watch, the more you bless them, the more those hooks will just, you'll feel them dissolving out of you. This is for your sake. I, I'm just convinced that, you know, it's, this, is, this, is, this is not me being convinced. This is medical proof. Guilt and condemnation makes us sick. That's scientific proof. I, I think it's pretty sad when I picked up a secular magazine a few years ago and read it, a psychologist magazine, and it said that he, he, he believes that the, the most miserable people on the face of the earth are believers. He said, I've never seen more miserable people in the church than I've seen elsewhere. I mean, I was just heartbroken when I read it. Why? Because they're carrying guilt, shame, and condemnation. Why? Because the church doesn't preach the gospel. He didn't say that. I added that bit. Because the church is not preaching the gospel that Jesus took it, that you can be free. Amen? You guys doing all right? It's going all quiet on me. Make me nervous when you get quiet. Why don't you just, why don't you take a minute and just turn, turn to someone next to you. Just give them a hug. Come on, let's, let's, not, let, let's not let stuff divide us. Turn to someone and just tell someone how much you love them. And turn to somebody else. Turn to someone else on the other side and give somebody else a hug. Come on. Let's spread some love around this morning. Let, let's be known as the church that loves, the God's people that love. I'm also just as convinced that when we let those hooks out of us and we let go of that guilt and we let go of that shame and we just let it go, the offense, the judgment, the disappointments, it's in that place that healing flows.
Right? This is not. This is like God's not holding back something. I, I, this is how I treat, teach my my all my healing. I teach like there's nowhere that Jesus said, "Well, I'll heal you when you forgive." He didn't say that. My, my friend just wrote a book called "Things That Jesus Never Said." <laughs> he, he never said, well, "I'll heal you if you forgive. Go clean your mess up first. No, it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance, right? So if I, if I pray for you and you've got hooks, does that, does, does that mean I can't get you healed? Nope, I can still get you healed with your hooks. But sometimes it's harder for you to receive what's been given freely when we've got those hooks. Anybody just feeling a little free this morning? Anyone get rid of some hooks? tell you, you just keep getting, I, this, is the, this has got to be a daily thing. It's like suddenly I realize, oh gosh, that person annoyed me. I'm just like, no, no, it's like, Father, I, I, I forgive them. I bless them in their business. It's like you get bad customer service and you're like, I'm never coming back here again, stupid shop. It's like, just bless their business. Bless them. I think they're having a hard day, God. Like, just let your goodness lavish over them. Amen? Bless you guys.